any stinking thinkers out there? Um, yeah, I, uh, my mind gets ahead of me sometimes, and there was a point maybe three to four years ago where you, wouldn't, you probably wouldn't have recognized me. Um, I had let the lies and the strongholds that I had believed about myself and about God really build up at that time, and I was almost immobilized by it. And so if there's anybody in this place that maybe you, you've got some really bad thought patterns, you've got some stinking thinking in your life, and you think that the Lord can't fix it, I'm like a walking testimony, guys, to what God can do in your mind. So don't give up. And I'm really excited to share with you this morning. Um, let me figure out this clicker, because the thing about this clicker is there's like only one button that you actually use, and if you hit the wrong one, it's just a catastrophic meltdown. So, uh, yep, and I hit the wrong one. Yep, clicker's not going. Is it the top yeah, I, I hit the button you're not supposed to hit. It's not working, so. Um, <laughs> told you. Um, so anyways, um, the title of my message, yeah. We should really work on that. Um, the title of my message is Mindcraft. Um, and I know there are probably some parents out there right now and maybe some students that are like, Mindcraft, that sounds um, very familiar. It kind of sounds like the game Minecraft. Um, and there's a reason behind that, because when I was preparing for this message, um, I knew that we were talking about the mind, and I knew that renewing the mind was a huge theme in Scripture. And so other than the funny name and the, the sort of pun behind it, um, there is a lot of truth and a lot of similarities between the game Minecraft and the way that we craft our minds. And so if you're not familiar with the game Minecraft, essentially what you do um, is you go and you mine raw materials you know, steel or metal wood, stuff like that, and you take what you mine and you build structures with it. You build buildings with it and you create your own little world. And that's why it's so addicting. Everybody likes to be in charge of their own world. And so that's exactly, here, I'm getting ready for that next slide. It's that next button. Okay, so I hit the wrong button. That is exactly what we do in our own minds. We craft our minds with good experiences and with bad experiences. And what we craft creates our worldview. So what we do as human beings is we, we are interactive beings. And so we take our good experiences, we take our bad experiences, we take, our, we take truths, we take lies, and we, we decipher that. We put it in the calculator up here, and then we create a worldview with it. And what a worldview is, is it's simply put, let's flip that word, it's the way that we view the world. It's the way that we interact with the world. It's the, it's the way, that, it's the lenses through which we see everything. And in a perfect world, we would have nothing but good experiences, right? We would all have the, you know, the upbringing that we wanted. We would both, we would all have two parents. We would all, everything would work out great. We'd get the best education. We would only have truths. And then our worldview would reflect that, right? We would see the world as this wonderful, amazing place full of possibilities because that's all you've ever known. Um, but as Forrest Gump pointed out, stuff happens, right? Stuff happens. And we're not always prepared for those things. In fact, we're not always responsible for some of the bad things. We're not always in charge. Sometimes things just happen to us. And so what happens is we create a worldview with those things. The good and the bad. And we craft our minds. We build our worldview. And I think, and as I'm, I'm sort of you know, preparing for this message, 
Um, I, was, I was trying to figure out, man, where does the enemy get us at? Where does he attack us? And as I was thinking about it, I came to the conclusion that the two most attacked places in the life of our mind is our understanding and our attitudes. Our understanding and our attitudes. And that's not on my notes, but if you would like to write that down. Those are the two most attacked places. That's the, 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 the biggest place of difficulty for me, at least in my life, has been in my understanding and my attitude. And it is amazing to me how much psychology that a Jewish man from the first century knew about. So I'm, I'm thinking about Paul. Paul had a lot to say about the life of the mind. And so right there on my slide, God has called us all to the recrafting and the recreation and the renewing of our minds. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing. God has called us. In fact, I believe one of the highest callings that we have as Christians is to the renewing of our minds. Our mind, this right here, is what steers everything else. From my mind is where my attitude comes. From my understanding of things is where my action comes. There is not an action that doesn't have a preceding thought, even though sometimes a lot of us make actions and we don't think that we're thinking but there was a thought in there that started it and so that is why it is so important so overwhelmingly important if you if you want to see change in your life if you want to see God transform your life you have got to give him access to your mind this is what steering the ship it says do not copy the behavior and the customs of the world but let God transform you into a new person how By changing the way that you think. That's how God does it. If you will allow God access to your mind, there is no end to the possibilities that that, that you'll have. You will walk in full and complete and total freedom that Christ has allowed us to. Amen? And so, our understanding and our attitude. Let me tell you how this works. See, if my understanding of something is messed up, then my attitude towards that something is going to be messed up. Um, Let's say I work in a place, and this is totally not true about this place, but um, at least I hope not. Let's say I'm working at, at a place, I'm employed somewhere, and I am under the understanding that all of my coworkers and everybody in that place hates me. And because my understanding of them is that they hate me, what do I do? I don't like them. Everybody said it. Well, they don't like me. I don't like them, right? And so because my understanding of that situation is flawed and I believe that they don't like me, I'm going to act in a way that shows them that I don't like them. And so what I'm going to do is, yeah, someone said amen. (laughs) So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go into the fridge and I'm going to take a bite of their sandwich and I'm going to put it back in the fridge. All because I believe that they don't like me. Your understanding of something affects your attitude towards that something. And so let me tell you a parable. And this is a parable from the book of Eric. And if I could, I've made myself the main character of this parable because this parable is so true about my life. And some of you may relate. So I think everybody's heard of the State of the Union Address, right? 
If you've lived in America for at least one year, you have either witnessed or heard of the State of the Union Address. And the State of the Union Address is, is really neat because you get to learn a lot about the country that you live in. Um, I mean, it's like Donald Trump, or whoever the president is, Donald gets up there and he starts talking and he starts telling us everything, everything that we need to know about the current state of our country. We'll, we'll learn about the economy. Um, we'll learn about foreign affairs. Um, we'll learn about current civil issues, right? But what's also really cool about the State of the Union is that we learn a lot about our leader. We get to see what type of president they are. We get to see how competent they are to handle the issues. We get to see what type of issues move their heart. So we learn a lot about not only the country, but we learn about the leader as well. And so let's say the State of the Union address is coming on. And for whatever reason, I'm too busy. I've got too much stuff going on. You know, I've got like a, you know, a new lawnmower or something, because that's what guys do. Like, we got like a new lawnmower. Jamie always laughs when I t- he asks me, what do I like to do? And I'm like, I like to mow grass. I don't know. It's just a part of me. It's like, I don't know how I got that. Um, so let's say for whatever reason... I'm just too busy. I'm outside mowing grass. I missed the State of the Union address. You know, super important, right? And the next morning, I go and I grab something to eat. I'm sitting down there at the diner. I'm chowing down. And a gentleman comes up to me and he says, hey, did you happen to catch the State of the Union address? And I tell him, no, man, I was way too busy. I don't have time for that. Um, you know, I had too many things going on. And he kind of looks at me dumbfounded and he says, well, man, you, you missed it. You missed it. And I'm like, what are, you, what are you talking about? I missed it. And he's like, man, the, the country's in the toilets. The economy is at an all-time low. In fact, I don't even know if the money in your wallet is going to be worth the meal that you paid for, right? Your, your money's not worth anything. There's civil wars are breaking out all over the United States. All of America's enemies are lined up on the border and they're ready to take over. Businesses are closing down. It's like Armageddon. And as he's telling me this, I'm overcome with fear. And then I'm like, well, what's, what's the president going to do about it? And he says, well, man, that's the problem. That's a nasty guy. I don't think he's going to do anything about it. In fact, he started, he started building these prisons for defectors. Anybody that disagrees with him, he's, he's putting in these prisons. And I think he's, he's, he's giving our enemies access to our borders. And, and then all of a sudden, I can't handle it anymore. So, I, you know, I drop my plate of eggs and I run out of the door. I'm, I'm overcome with fear. I think, I'm thinking this is it. And so I run into Walmart. I'm pushing my buggy. Has anybody ever seen that, that game show where they're like pushing the buggy down the aisles and they're throwing stuff in there? Like I saw that. Like a Family Dollar has one now. I don't know how did Family Dollar have a specific one that they show that they have. But, you know, they're throwing stuff. And so that's me. I'm racing down the aisles. I'm throwing canned goods in there. Really just canned corn because that's the only canned vegetable I like. And so then, you know, I go and I, I get the wet wipes because why not? And then I go and I have to get the signature gallon of Armageddon milk. Why? I have no clue. If the end of the world's coming, everybody seems to want to have a gallon of milk. So I grab my gallon of milk and I'm racing home and my money's not worth anything because the whole country is falling apart. And so I'm elbowing people out the door. I get home to my house and I dig a hole. That's right. I dig a hole. I dig this hole and I dig it deep enough for me to get down in it. I put all my food and all my supplies in there and uh, I'm going to wait this thing out. I'm going to wait it out. And so I'm down there, I'm drinking my milk, and, you know, a couple months go by, and, you know, I'm starting to look really scraggly. And then a year goes by, and all of a sudden I'm like Tom Hanks from Castaway, and I'm screaming, Wilson! From, from this hole. And then another year goes by, and then I finally bring it to myself. You know what? I'm going to go, and I'm going to check out the destruction. 
I'm going to check out all this stuff that this guy at the diner was telling me about. And so I hop in my car and I, I head off to town. But the picture that I see is not what I expected. In fact, I see all the same businesses. In fact, I see the diner that I was eating at two years ago. I see new businesses popping up all over the place. I see families, you know, walking in the streets. I see a police officer interacting with a family. I see a Taco Bell. And so I pull through the Taco Bell and I get a, I get a Baja Blast. And they take my money, the money I thought was worthless. And I'm sitting there and I'm, 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 I'm drinking this drinking. And then it occurs to me that I was lied to. That that man at the diner, he lied to me. And because he lied to me, because of that lie, my understanding of not only the country, but my understanding of the president was completely corrupted. And because my understanding of the country and the president was corrupted, my whole attitude was corrupted. And so what I did was I dug a hole and I sat there completely immobilized, completely useless, right where the man who lied to me wanted me to be. I don't know if you're, if you're catching where I'm going with this yet, but that is what the enemy does to our life. He affects our understanding, and because our understanding is corrupted, he affects our attitude. And more specifically, he affects our understanding of the nature and the character of God. He tells us lies about God. He tells us lies about ourselves. You know what, you're... You're way too far gone, man. There's no, you know, they're, they're, at, they're giving an altar call, but why, why even bother? You know, that, that breakthrough that, you're, that you need in your life, that's not coming. Why, why, don't even go and get prayer for that. You don't need that. God doesn't want to forgive you. God doesn't want to give you breakthrough. You haven't had it yet. Your marriage, there's no hope. You might as well give up. God doesn't fix marriages. And so we begin, that, that, that track begins to play. Those lies begin to play. And before you know it, you are proverbially, proverbially sitting in that hole completely immobilized right where the enemy wanted you to begin with. Because you're not, you're like, the enemy doesn't have to worry about you. You're sitting there in that hole believing all these lies. So what do we do? How do we break this cycle? You may not be the guy from the parable. You may not be at that place where you're completely immobilized. But how many of you are believing lies about God? That he's angry, he's wrathful, he's vengeful. The answer is that we have to put on the mind of Christ. If we want to finally break this cycle, if we want to finally see breakthrough in our lives, we have got to have the mind of Christ. And that is such a mystical term, and it's such a misunderstood term. Like, it's like you hear, like, the person down at the altar praying, like, Lord, I just pray that they would have the mind of Christ. And you're like, I don't even know what that is. What is that? And it's simple. The mind of Christ is Jesus' understanding of God's character and his attitude. If we want to have the mind of Christ, we have to have the same understanding of the Father that Jesus had. And if we have the same understanding of the Father that Jesus had, we will have the same attitude that Jesus had. Because let me tell you something, guys. You resemble... The God that you worship. You resemble the God that you worship. If you worship an angry, wrathful, unforgiving God, you will be an angry, wrathful, unforgiving person. If you worship 
a dark and gloomy God that's, that's impatient and doesn't have time for you. You will be a dark and gloomy person that is impatient and doesn't have time for people. You resemble the God that you worship. So what do we do? You know, Jesus had a really profound understanding of who the Father was. It was amazing. In fact, he even called God Father. It it drove the Pharisees insane. Like, they couldn't stand it. Like, who is this man calling God his Father? That's because Jesus had a true understanding of who God is. And if we want to know who God is, like Jesus knows who God is, we should look no further than Jesus Christ himself. In uh, Hebrews chapter 1, the most important scripture, and I don't even have it on my notes here. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, that says that Jesus is the express image of the Father, an exact imprint of his nature. And so if I want to know who God is, I should look no further than Jesus Christ. And I'm going to hammer this point out. Jesus is the exact imprint of the nature of God. So if I want to figure out, does God want to bring restoration to my life? To my life, Did Jesus bring restoration is the question that I ask. Does God want to bring healing to my life? Well, did Jesus bring healing? That's the question that I need to be asking. Jesus is the truth of who God is. In Hebrews 1.1, it, it says that God spoke through the prophets and God spoke through various many different ways, but now God has spoken to us through His Son. If I want to figure out and I want to have a proper understanding of who, the God, who God the Father is, I must look at Jesus. I can look in the Old Testament and I can get gleams and I can get pictures of who God is, but if I want a tr- the, the truest and most clearest picture of the heart of the Father, I have got to look at Jesus. I could just put that on repeat over and over again because people don't understand that. We go to so many different places trying to figure out who God is, and a lot of times we look at our own lives. We look at our own building blocks. We look at the lies that we believed about what fathers should be like. Because guess what? Culture has shown us that not everybody had a great dad. But the thing is, is that people are taking what they know to be true about a father, and they're applying that to God. My God, or my dad, he didn't, he didn't really have a lot of time for me, so God must not have a lot of time for me. And my dad was a, was a very impatient, sort of quick-to-anger kind of guy, and so God must be very impatient and quick-to-anger. And so we look at all we look in all of the wrong places. We are we are mining the wrong building blocks. And with those those wrong those li, those lie-based building blocks, we are building structures in our mind about who we believe God to be. But if you want to know what God is like, you must look at Jesus Christ. Jesus is it says he's an exact the most literal version NASB the most literal translation of Hebrews 1.3 is that Jesus Christ is the exact imprint of the nature of God. That is amazing to me because Jesus was a really cool guy. If you want to live like Jesus, you've got to think like Jesus. And if you want to think like Jesus, you have to listen like Jesus. And I have a lot of scriptures. I'm, I'm not... For the sake of time, not really going through a lot of them, but feel free. Um, they're all in the sermon notes, and so you can go back and look through these, but I'm going to be going through. So if you want to live like Jesus, you have to think like Jesus. 
And if you want to think like Jesus, you have to listen like Jesus. Jesus was a very, very good listener. John 12, 49 says, I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. Jesus was always in tune with what the Father was saying. And so who do we have now? So I'm going to read this. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 through 12 in the New Living Translation. It says, But it was to us that God revealed these things by what? By his Spirit. For his Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. We have a spirit, and in, I think it's John, I think it's John chapter 14, Jesus refers to him as the spirit of truth. Jesus says that he is sending us the spirit of truth that will guide us into all things, all things truthful. And so if we want to have a correct understanding of who the Father is, we have the same spirit in us that searches out the depths of God. The Holy Spirit of God, it says, searches out the depths of God. That's such a, that has to be like, like, a, like that's, that's quite a statement. You know, God, the creator of heaven and earth, God, the creator of the universe, there is something that searches out those depths and relays us those truths. Jamie gave us some homework. I believe it was last week, maybe been the week before. It says, go home and ask God what he thinks about you. Use your imagination and write it down. That's not something that we should just be doing merely as homework once, you know, one time in the month of February in 2018, that's something that we should be doing daily. Getting in tune with the Holy Spirit of God. Learning to listen to the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit leads us to the correct building blocks. The Holy Spirit supplies us with the truths needed to recraft and to renew our mind. The Holy Spirit echoes the heart of the Father. So if you want to know what God is thinking, which is, that's quite a grand question to ask. Like, what is God thinking? You've got a spirit inside of you that has the answer to that question. But the thing is, is that God is always speaking, but we're not always listening. Can I get an amen? God is always speaking to you. He's always speaking his heart. He is always showing you wisdom. He is always giving you guidance. But the thing is, is that we are not always listening. And so if we want to live like Jesus, we want to have the attitude that Jesus had, walk in humility, love our brothers as ourselves. If you want to live like Jesus, you have to think like Jesus. And if you want to think like Jesus, you've got to listen like Jesus. John 14, 26 says this. Yeah, 14, 26. But, and now this is in the amplified version here. It's sort of a extended. It says, but the helper, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counselor, the strengthener, the standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things, and he will help you remember everything that I have told you. You have a comforter 
in you. You have a helper in you. You have a counselor in you. You have a therapist in you. It's really cool, like, thinking of the Holy Spirit as a counselor. I have seen a counselor before. I've seen a therapist before. I ain't ashamed of it. It's kind of funny, like, in the South, um, the Southern United States, there's, there tends to be sort of a stigma attached to seeing a counselor, seeing a, seeing a therapist. But in my time, I went through it for a couple weeks. It was actually really cool because what this counselor did for me was I would talk, and then they would take what I said, they would pull out the truths, and then show me the lies. That is what the Holy Spirit is described as. Your counselor. You have something in you. You have the Holy Spirit of God in you. That is there to help you. That is there to advocate for you. And there to give you the proper building blocks of truth necessary to recraft your mind. I'm going to read one more scripture here. It's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20 through 23. Um, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception, and instead let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. What's really cool is you're not in this alone. You may say, man, I've got some really messed up thoughts about God, and I just realized it's sitting here now. But you're not in this alone. You've got a Holy Spirit in you, a comforter, an advocate a helper that's there for you. And so I have a question for you. Am I taking charge of my own Minecraft? Are you taking charge of your own Minecraft? Because let me tell you, the enemy is just fine with you sitting right there in your lies, in your puddle of lies. Because guess what? You're not a threat. You're not doing anything. Who's going to take charge? You. And so that's my question. We could all stand. I could have spent all day talking about Jesus and how he is the perfect representation of the Father. And I can't even stay off the importance of how a right understanding of who God is affects every area of your life. Because for so long, I realized that my life was so... so not what it was supposed to be because my image of God and who God was was not what it was supposed to be. And so I want to end with this prayer, and if you could all repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I am tired of the lies. I am tired of the falsehoods. And I am tired of crafting my mind with bad building blocks. I give you control. I make you the contractor of my mind. I pray for a clear understanding of your character. I pray for a clear picture of your heart towards me. And Holy Spirit, I am relying on you to lead me into all truth. Place in front of me the right building blocks so that I can recraft my mind. In Jesus' name, amen.